You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm so glad to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know that we're live. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. And I want you to start transitioning over to Mike Moore Ministry. I'm moving over there into Mike Moore Ministry full time. Listen, we're going to have a great time in the Word. I'm beginning a new series today entitled God wants you to be rich. R-I-C-H. God wants you to be rich. Now, don't allow that word rich to throw you off. We're going to define it, and I believe it's going to be a blessing. It is going to bring power to your life. I Uh, did a series entitled The Truth About Poverty. It was an introductory series to this series today. So if this is your first time with us, you can go back on Mike Moore Ministry, pull up that series, The Truth About Poverty. It is kind of the foundation, uh, the introduction to this series. God wants you to be Rich. Each one of these lessons, and I'm going to have several uh, topics, subtopics, and the today's subtopic is the word rich is not a bad word. The word rich is not a bad word. Word. You know, I borrowed this subtitle from my book. I have a, a beautiful book, has about 10, 11 chapters into in it, and it's entitled Rich is Not a Bad Word. Now, this will be a good supplement for you uh, to help you with this series. Rich is not a bad word is our subtopic for today. When I was a little kid, just a little child, my parents were really uh, very strict about the language that I use. And in particular, my mother, she had what we call bad words (coughs) and good words. And she didn't want me to speak any profanity. Profanity was a bad uh, word. And some Christians have that uh, same concept, same idea about the word rich. When they hear the word rich, things go off on the inside of them and they hear a bad word. But rich is not a bad word. And and so that you don't misunderstand what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about God wants you to be spiritually rich. That is the given. Everyone knows that. I am saying that God wants you, believer, to be rich financially and rich materially. Now, hold on. I, I'm going I'm to give you some insight to this, and it's going to be a blessing to you. Now, this lesson today has three sections to it. We're going to talk about God's will. 
We're going to give you a Bible. Secondly, we're going to give you a Bible definition of the word rich, the way we're using it. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about the rich life was paid for on the cross. The rich life was paid for on the cross. So let's start our uh, lesson out today talking about God's will. Is it God's will for a believer, a Christian to be rich financially and materially? Is that God's will? First John chapter five, verses 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, God will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petition that we have desired of him. So faith begins where the will of God is known. So in this first session, let's establish God's will. Psalms chapter 112, Psalms 112, verses 1 through 3. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Now notice that. It says the man... And that word man is generic, mean man, woman, boy, girl, the man who fears God. That, that's not a afraid kind of fear. That's a reverential fear, a respect for God, a respect for his ways of doing things, a respect for his principles and, and, and his instructions. The Bible says the man that respects God's ways, fears him, and delight greatly in his commandments, his word. The Bible says his seed will be mighty upon the earth, and it says wealth and riches shall be in his house. Notice, wealth and riches shall be in his house. That's Psalms 112, verses 1 through 3. That's our first witness. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So we're answering the question, is it God's will for a believer, a Christian, to be rich financially and materially? Well, Proverbs 10, is our second witness. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it, the Lord's blessing, maketh rich and he, the Lord, as add no sorrow to it. Now notice it says the blessing of the Lord. Doesn't say the blessing of the devil. Doesn't say the blessing of men. It says the blessing of the Lord makes rich, makes one rich. And the scripture says, he, the Lord, add no sorrow to it. So it is possible to be rich without sorrow. That's Proverbs 10, 22. That's our second witness. Our third witness is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is over in the New Testament. 
Paul writing to Timothy says, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now, 1 Timothy 6.17 is our third witness. We're answering the question, is it God's will for believers, for a Christian to be rich financially and materially. Now, when we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, there are several things I want you to get from this text. First, the charge here, Paul is charging, giving a charge to Timothy to give to other believers. And you will notice that the charge is given to the rich charge them that are rich. Now notice the Holy Spirit did not want us to misunderstand what the charge was. He said, charge them that are rich in this world, not rich in heaven, Not when we get to heaven one day, it says, charge them that are rich in this world. Now he gives a a warning. Now, most of you that drive automobiles, you've seen warning signs on the road. You've come up uh, to a signal light and there's a green light says go, there's a red light says stop, and then there's a yellow light, which is a caution. What Paul does here, he gives a caution, not a stop, but a caution. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. The word high-minded there speaks to being proud, speaks to being arrogant, speaks to being haughty. So we see a temptation that the rich have to resist, a temptation to be proud, to be haughty, to be arrogant. It is a temptation. It doesn't mean that the rich is haughty, the rich is high-minded, the rich is arrogant. It doesn't say that. It says, charge the rich that they be not, which implies they don't have to be. You can be rich and not be haughty. You can be rich and not be high-minded. You can be rich and not be arrogant. But notice here, you can be rich and be a believer, be a Christian charge them, Christians, that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Now watch, here's the other warning, the caution. Nor trust in uncertain riches. Well, that's a temptation. You know, when you're struggling and you don't have much in life, you can't trust riches because you don't have riches. But as you begin to increase If you're not cautious, if you're not uh, diligent, aware, you can shift your trust from God to the riches. 
And Paul here is giving a charge to Timothy to give to the rich Christians that they do not shift their trust from God to the riches. It is a caution. It is not a stop. It is not a detour. It is a caution. Drivers, you understand that. Proceed with caution. Notice there is no negative message. 1 Timothy 6, 17, there's no negative message given concerning the riches themselves. Notice there is no message given in this text that having riches is a bad thing. Notice that. So let's not add a bad connotation to the riches. Riches are neutral. Riches are who you are. They're neither bad nor good. Money, finances, riches, wealth, they are all what the possessor is. If the possessor has character, then the wealth will be used in a positive way. If the possessor lacks, lacks character, then the wealth will be used in an ungodly way. But the wealth, the money, is neutral. Now, listen at this. The, the text says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. This latter part of the verse is very insightful. Now notice it says that we're to trust in the living God, not trust in the riches, but trust in the living God who gives us. Now notice how Paul puts that. Not who gives them, who gives us, that's all of us, richly all things to enjoy. Now notice he didn't say that God gives some richly. It says he gives us. That's every believer who will believe the word. God gives us, every believer who will believe the word and the promises of God, he gives us richly. The word richly means copiously. It means abundantly. It means lavishly. Now notice he gives us richly all things, not spirituals, he gives us things richly, lavishly. He gives us things lavishly, abundantly, copiously. He gives us all things, richly all things, notice, to enjoy. Enjoy, to take hold of, to experience. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. So when we look at Psalms 112 verses 1 through 3, and we look at Proverbs 10, 22, and we look at 1 Timothy 6, 17, we can biblically conclude 
that it is God's will for believers, Christians, to be rich. God revealed that to me many years ago, and I will never back off from that. Regardless to criticism, regardless to resistance, I will never back off of that. And I pray that you have a revelation of that and you don't back off of it. Now, let's go to our second session, second part in this lesson today. The word rich is not a bad word. <clears throat> let's, let's define the word rich. Let's talk about the Bible definition of rich. Because the moment you heard me say, God wants you to be rich. That's the title of the series. God wants you to be rich. Come on, say that. God wants me to be rich. Come on, listeners, say it again. God wants me to be rich. Now, it may be a little difficult coming out of your mouth based off your theological training, upbringing. If you're basing your life on experience, it may be difficult for you to say this, but I want you to by faith say it. God wants me to be rich. I want you to say it one more time. God wants me to be rich. Now, I want to give you a Bible definition. Now, remember, this is my this is my series. I'm not talking about what somebody else says. Don't compare me with somebody else you saw on television or some other men. No, no, no. Listen to this. Listen to me. Listen to this whole series. And then you, you evaluate it and you should evaluate it. Now, listen at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 is the Bible definition of the word rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. I want you to make a note of that. I want you to go back and I want you to look it up and you can look it up in different translations. This is the Bible definition of the word rich. The Bible definition, not Dr. So-and-so, not Mike Moore's definition, not Apostle So-and-so, not Professor So-and-so, not the economist definition. This is the Bible definition of the word rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And it reads, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That is the Bible. This is the Bible definition of the word rich. I'll read it to you again. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. This, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, this is the Bible definition of the word rich. And when I say, and our subject, 
that I'm going to be teaching for several sessions. When I say God wants you to be rich, I am talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Here the word rich means an abundance to live, an abundance to give. That's what the word rich means based on 2 Corinthians 9, 8. An abundance to live on, an abundance to give out, an abundance to live on, an abundance to give out. Say that, an abundance to live on, an abundance to give out. That's the Bible definition of being rich. Now, listen at the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, the New Living Translation. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. That's good in itself, but let's read the rest of it. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now that is being rich. Listen at that. New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's what it means to be rich. An abundance, God want to bless you with an abundance for you to live on and an abundance for you to give out. You'll notice, according to this text, there is no sacrifice required. When I teach this, I never teach sacrifice one for the other. Go without this and do this. No, I never teach that because the word abound in 2 Corinthians means abundance. And the word abound is used twice. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Abound toward you. Abundance toward you. And then it says abound toward every good work, abound toward every good work. So the word abound means abundance and the word abound is used twice, abound toward you, abound toward every good work. Abundance for you to live on, abundance for you to share to others. That's what the, the, the word rich means. Now, notice this. This is possible only through the grace of God. And God is able. God is able. Not you. God is able. Not you. God is able to make all grace. Now, that word grace, according to Peter, Peter in his letters talked about the manifold grace of God, multifaceted. So when we talk about grace, we have to distinguish what grace God is talking about. Is God talking about grace for salvation? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved. So there's a grace for salvation. Is God talking about grace 
to live victorious over sin. Romans 6, for sin shall no longer have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. James 4 says we can ask for more grace. I was uh, years ago, many years ago, I've been saved over 40 years, and many years ago as a young Christian, I was struggling with my flesh, struggling to struggling with temptation, to sin. I mean, real sin, not good sin, real sin. And I went to the Lord and I said, God, I'm struggling. I need help. And the Spirit of God said to me, ask me for more grace. Now, I didn't even know that was in James 4, verse 6. I didn't know we could ask for more grace, but I did. And he did. He gave me the strength. And I don't know how it works, but somehow that temptation, the strength of that temptation diminished and I was able to overcome. So there's grace for salvation to be born again. There's grace to live victorious over sin, temptation. But there's also grace to function in ministry to function in the role that God has called you to operate in as a believer or as a minister of the gospel. God calls us to function in certain areas. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I stand in the office of a prophet and I have grace to do it. I'm teaching you now. I have grace. God has given me grace. That's his ability to teach you the words that I'm teaching you right now. But there's also provision grace. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's talking about provision grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about provision grace. Now, the Bible said God will give you seed to sow. That's grace. He'll get you started. He'll, he'll give you money to give. He'll meet all your needs. That's provision grace. So we see now what the Bible definition of the word grace. So let's go to our last, our last section uh, today. I want to show you now that the rich life was paid for on the cross. The rich life was paid for you when Jesus was on the cross. He paid for you to enjoy the rich life. Now listen at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. We just read 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, but now I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. I'll read that again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Now, when we look at this same verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, in the New Living Translation, it says, though he, referring to Jesus, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you, 
he could make you rich. That's the New Living Translation. Though he was rich, that's Jesus, yet for your sakes, that's us, he became poor. He, Jesus, became poor so that by his poverty, Jesus' poverty, he could make you rich. That's us. So when we look at this text we, we, and we compare it with the redemptive work of, works of Jesus in other areas, it makes sense. It makes spiritual sense. It makes biblical sense. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus was made to be sin so that we could be made righteous. He was made sin so that we could be made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 But he also, the Bible tells us, Jesus was made sick on the cross. That's, that's Isaiah 53, 4, and verse 10. Surely he has borne our grief. You studied the word grief, and in the Hebrew it means sickness. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. Isaiah 53, 10, he was made sick. He was put to grief. That's what that means. He was made sick. Matthew 8, 7, 17 says, Jesus took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So we see Jesus made righteous. We see Jesus was made sick so we could be made healthy. Well, here the scripture clearly says Jesus was made poor so we could be made rich. If we're going to believe one, why can't we believe all three? If we're going to believe that he was made to be sin for us, why can't we believe he was made to be poverty? If we can believe that we are right with God, have righteousness because he was made sin, why can't we believe that we're rich because he was made poor for us? That's what the Bible says. Now, there are two primary arguments in my closing, two primary arguments against interpreting 2 Corinthians 8-9 the way I've interpreted. The first argument, some say that the text in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is talking about spiritual riches and not material riches. And that's very interesting to me. So they interpret, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich spiritually, yet for our sakes he became poor spiritually, that we through his spiritual poverty might be rich spiritually. Well, that's a half-truth because he did become poor spiritually. He took our sins on himself so that we could be rich spiritually. But to ignore the context, and I learned early as a minister that we need to compare scriptures with scripture. In the context, the eighth chapter and the ninth chapter 
Read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the whole chapter. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the whole chapter. And it's talking about money, giving, and material provision. That's what it's talking about. The, both chapters is talking about money, giving, and material provision. So how do we ignore the context of those eight, two chapters and put it only in the context of spiritual riches? To me, that would not be true to the context. Some say God did not promise us to make us rich. He promised to meet our needs. That's Philippians 4.19. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I want to I examine this right quick. If here in Philippians 4.19, the Apostle Paul is talking about supplying material needs for his people, and most scholars, most Christians, most people who are against prosperity, they don't believe God wants uh, Christians to be uh, prosperous financially material. Those who teach against it do not teach that Philippians 4.19 is just about spiritual needs. But my God shall supply all your needs. Most people know Paul is talking about God will supply our material needs. That's what it says. Jesus even says, seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6.33, and all these things, material things, will be added to you. So my question if the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.19 is talking about our material needs being met, why is he only talking about our spiritual needs being met in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9? Now, when you look at Philippians 4.19, you also have to, you also, we also gather that God is rich because he's going to supply our uh, needs out of his riches. So God is rich. So rich couldn't be a bad word because God is rich. The Bible says he's going to supply our need out of his riches. So rich couldn't be a bad word because God is rich. But notice it says he will supply our needs by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? He'll supply our needs based off Jesus finished work on the cross. That's what it means by Christ Jesus. And then notice it says that he will supply our needs according to, according to his riches in glory. According to. Now notice he's not supplying our need according to our job. He's not applying our need according to the government. He's not applying, supplying our need according to our businesses. He's not supplying our needs according to our education, according to the economy, according to our race. No, he's supplying our need according to his riches. Now notice this. It does not say he's, suppl he's supplying our need according to our need. 
If he was supplying our need according to our need, if we had a need of $500, he would give us $500. But the Bible doesn't say he's going to supply our need according to our need. It says he's going to supply our need according to his riches. The word according to means corresponding to. It means in conformity with. If, for example, you have two multimillionaires and they both give a gift toward a kingdom project and millionaire A, multimillionaire A, gives $1,000 to the kingdom project. Millionaire B, multimillionaire B, gives $1 million toward the kingdom project. One gave one million, one thousand, the other gave one million. Well, the millionaire A that gave one thousand gave out of his riches. Millionaire B that gave a million dollars gave according to his riches. One gave out, one gave according to. The multimillionaire that gave $1,000 toward the kingdom project gave out of his riches. The multimillionaire that gave a million dollars to the kingdom project gave according to his riches. When God blesses us, he gives according to, not out of. He gives according to. So when God meets our needs. Listen, he always supplies more than what we need. If you need a $500, he's not going to give you just $500. He's going to give you more than that, according to this text. Philippians 4.19 in the Amplified Bible says, my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm out of time. Out of town. I'm out of time. <laughs> I am out of time. But we cover some good ground. We talked about God's will is that you be rich. We define what rich means, and we see that your rich life was paid for on the cross. Listen. We got a ways to go and we're going to get into some more good stuff. And when we finish, your faith is going to rise so high and the blessings of God are going to just flow through you because there's going to be no mental, spiritual, religious blocks. I'm telling you, I speak blessings and increase over your life in Jesus name. I do want to answer this question. I had a question in one of my last podcasts, and the question was, is it possible to be poor in spirit? Well, that's Matthew 5, 3, and it's really talking about the Beatitudes. When it talks about poor in spirit there, it's talking about an individual, a believer, who does not depend on himself, but looks outside of himself for what he needs or what he desires or what he wants to become. That's what it means to be poor in spirit, that you're not depending on you, you're depending on God. And it says to that, to that person, the king, 
<clears throat> that person, the kingdom of heaven is available. It says to that person, the kingdom of heaven is available to that person. Listen, I'm, I've got to get out of here, but I love you. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.